Good afternoon, Mendocino County. This is KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We also live stream at kzyx.org, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting listener-supported community radio, broadcasting from the Mendocino County Office of Education studio in Ukiah, California. This show was pre-recorded on January 14th, 2021. My name is Michelle Hutchins. I'm the County Superintendent of Schools, and today I am, we are introducing a new radio show called Inside Education. The purpose of the show today is to talk with five maintenance and operation directors around the county to get a feel for the work that's being done to prepare our schools for in-person education. As everyone knows, the pandemic has had our schools closed to in-person education for many, many months. And today, I have the luxury of being with Steve Turner, who's a retired senior director of m from Mendocino County Office of Education, Robert Abayo, who's the newly hired director of maintenance and operation from Mendocino County Office of Education. We've got Bob Hofer from our maintenance assistant who does most of the shipping and receiving at Mendocino County Office of Education, and Gabe Sherman, director of m and transportation at Ukiah Unified School District. Barry Silver, Silva, who works with Fort Bragg Unified School District, who's also the Director of Maintenance and Transportation. So what I'd like to do is start out with Steve Turner to please describe to us what Mendocino County Office of Education kind of went through in preparation for schools turning or moving into in-person instruction. So Steve, what were some of the things that Mendocino County Office of Education had to organize quickly back last March? Well, good morning, Michelle. Um, back in, um, you know, we were all surprised back in March when the pandemic struck and we were responding with, uh, to the regulations that were coming out and directing us in different ways to behave, like wearing masks and keeping distance and and immediately our organization sheltered in place. So it was up to M&O to plan for what would happen when people came back to work. So we did start studying all these regulations that were coming out and all the guidance from the Department of Health and then the state of California. And then in uh, late May or early June, we were contacted by the state of California that the California Office of Emergency Services would begin shipping personal protective equipment to schools. And they asked the receiving agent in Mendocino County and to distribute it from there. So we began to plan for receiving uh, large quantities of PPE and distributing it to the schools. I'm gonna let Bob talk about the, the details of that, but um, we rented shipping containers to act storage because we have limited storage at that at our facility we uh, received an initial shipment from the state for public schools and public charter schools then later on we received a secondary shipment uh, two secondary shipments from the state for the private schools in the county 
In the meantime, we were getting requests for additional equipment that was not provided by the state. And so Bob organized a uh, joint purchase agreement with anyone that wanted to participate, any school district or private school that wanted to participate to buy additional equipment. And Bob um, managed that process of placing all those orders and then uh, eventually uh, notifying the schools that the equipment had been received so that they could either pick it up or receive delivery. So that's uh, in a real thumbnail of how we were assisting the districts in preparing for the eventual reopening. And I think uh, I can speak probably with confidence that I can speak for everyone. The two biggest problems that we faced was number one, we had no idea when school was going to open again. So we didn't have a deadline. We didn't have a plan with a timeline on it because it was so uncertain. And I think you'll, everyone will recognize we're still waiting for that deadline and that timeline to solidify. The second problem was that, as you pointed out in your uh, suggestion, suggested questions here, it was a dynamic situation. In other words, as we learn more about the disease and the pandemic, the rules would change. Uh, the uh, strategies would modify. The uh, amount of activity that was allowed would change. The PPE that was recommended shifted a little bit. So there were moving targets and, and no goal. And I think that made it really challenging for us all. That's very real, Steve, thank you. Bob, can you tell us a little bit about um, the quantity that we received, that, that Mendocino County Office of Education received for PPE? Uh, good morning from the state. Yeah. Or all of it. All of it. Let's talk about the whole thing. How about 90 tons? 90 tons. Wow. Give so, or take a couple tons. So how'd you handle all that? What'd you guys do? Well, it was a lot of fun because we had 100 plus degree days, uh, particulate matter readings in 250 to 300 on day after day basis. And uh, like Steve said, it was just uh, always changing dynamics and uh, lack of clear guidance. But nobody knew what we needed to do, apparently. Like I say, it was a learning process. So how many, um, just how much stuff was in that 90 tons? Well, uh, face shields, uh, portable wash stations, uh, hand dispensers, touch-free towel dispensers, soap dispensers, gloves, masks, 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 lots of masks. I mean, initially we knew the state was supplying some PPE, but we did not know, the district did not know exactly what the state was supplying. And once we found out, then it was time to start ordering what they were not. So not only did we receive shipments from the state, but what you're telling me is that Mendocino County Office of Education also organized for school districts a mass buying of other supplies that the state didn't supply um, in order to prepare our schools. Correct. Yeah. And so those were things like hand washing stations, outdoor hand washing stations, soap and sanitizer dispensers. What other types of things were, were purchased like that? 
paper towels uh, for the dispenser, the gloves, face shields, more masks. Do we get any disinfectant? No. No. Okay. Not from the state or our supplier. Um, the vendor I was using, I did not, but our custodial supply people helped out a lot. And Steve and I both seen what was coming early in March and we ordered up quickly from our custodial supplies. So we had a good stock going into it all as far as sanitizers and soap, paper towels, etc. Good. So fortunately there is a, um, basically about the end of April, first part of March, we started ordering because it was in the news already. So we caught, got hold of our custodial supplies and ordered up just extra quantities of whatever was available. And as time went on, it was just harder and harder to get anything from anybody. In fact, we, our major vendor that we got stuff from is in Ohio. Ohio. So then tell me a little bit, um, let's shift gears a little bit to, to Gabe and to Barry. Gabe, again, is the um, director of M&O and Transportation at Unicai Unified School District. And Barry Silva is the Fort Bragg Director of Maintenance and Transportation. And so a little bit from the two of you about the types of equipment and the types of things that you've done physically to the school site to prepare for kids coming back to in-person instruction. Gabe, why don't you go first? Well, I mean, a lot of what we've done is echoed by what uh, MCOE, MCOEs did for the uh, the charters and the smaller districts. Our you know our focus you know in the very very beginning was on PPE, uh, masks, face masks, um, particularly site sanitation. You know, the the data early on was that the the vector of spread was was largely surface based. Um, but you know, you know, after a few months, you know, a lot of the research was really starting to point to aerosolize. So the focus really at that point shifted towards air quality. Um, one of the things we did early on is is um, procured air scrubbers, um, medical grade HEPA air, air scrubbers for all of our educational spaces. So we ended up getting basically two tractor trailer loads from the Midwest over. Um, and you know, again, the focus was any area that we would have more than one person. Um, working in isolation. So all of our educational spaces, classrooms, offices. Um, we spent some time on um, you know, upgrading filtration and, and really spending some time on our mechanical systems, so our HVAC. And then um, at that point started to, to think about what it would look like if we, you know, once we had students back on campus. So, you know, working on our physical spacing and physical distancing. Um, you know, another thing that we identified the, the trend in education over the last decade has really been to push for collaborative learning. So that's putting um, students together to learn together. And, you know, unfortunately, I think what, when we do have students back, that's not going to be, um, it's not going to be advisable. It's not going to be our, our best practice for a while. So we ended up actually doing a, a large push to procure um, student furniture that would allow for flexibility in the future, allow us to go back to a collaborative, but in the meantime, allow them to separate out. So, you know, all we identified all of our classrooms and, and educational spaces that had uh, multi-student tables and we purchased um, 
a, a large load or a large, um, a large purchase of single student desks so that when we do have our students back in the classroom, we can ensure physical distancing. So what I'm hearing you say is that a lot of effort went into purchasing furniture in addition to air circulation. And those were sort of the two focuses. Among all, among, among the others, else. I mean, again, I don't want to cover what it, what um, uh, Steve and Bob ha have already gone over, but, you know, PPE, I mean, all of it. And, you know, to add to something Steve talked about earlier, as, as the knowledge of, of um, the effects of COVID and, and really the, the mitigation strategies for COVID emerged, um, you know, Mendocino County really, we're, we're used to competing maybe for resources on a regional level. And you know the the supply global supply chain has been affected by all of this, and we're competing with the world for these resources. So I still, if anyone has a source for reliable source for cheap nitrile gloves, let me know because they're not available in the market. Oh, that's um, good. You know, all right. Prices on items like that double and triple over you know over the last year. Um, so it really makes it so you have to think outside the box, identify vendors early the second you can find them. You know, we've been snapping up whatever we can get and also thinking about alternate strategies. So, you know, nitro gloves aren't ideal. We keep those for our site sanitation and for, um, you know, when we have outbreaks using those. But when we have um, just our day-to-day -day use for site staff for, you know, using um, uh, like wet wipes, we're, you know, we're using a, you know, a lesser product. So we're using, you know, vinyl gloves, which are easier to, to get. So, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of outside of the box thinking and a lot of projecting, cause you know, we're, we don't know what the next step is going to look like. We're, we're like making plans around it, but we need to have the supplies on hand for that. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure we're all stuck to the gills with supplies right now and hopefully we get to use them. Right. All right, Barry, let's move over to Fort Bragg. Tell us a little bit about Fort, what Fort Bragg Unified has been doing to prepare for in-person instruction. So, uh, we're basically doing the same thing as Ukiah Unified. You know, we, we, we kind of saw it coming in the beginning and preemptively started purchasing PPE, uh, uh, touchless thermometers, um, things that we knew would be difficult to get. And, and the hard part is, is this just, this isn't just Mendocino County or, or California. This is the whole entire country that's trying to get this stuff. Like Gabe said, you know, uh, most of our classrooms as well were set up uh, with, you know, multiple students per table. Um, luckily, we had a lot of desks, single student desks on hand where we were able to readjust classrooms in order to uh, you know keep the social distancing in the classroom when students return, um, we've we've done pretty much the same thing as far as uh, retrofitting our, our mechanical HVAC systems uh, where we can and and stockpiling up on on hand sanitizer and wipes and masks and and gloves and you know all the stuff that 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 we're going to need and and like Gabe said hopefully we get to use it. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a warehouse full of stuff just sitting there. Yes. So this, you are listening to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1. And this is Michelle Hutchins, the County Superintendent of Schools, with a new program called Inside Education. And I am interviewing 
five MO directors around the county. Um, Gabe Sherman, director of MO and transportation from UK Unified School District. Barry Silva, director of maintenance and transportation for Fort Bragg Unified. Steve Turner, who's a retired senior director from Mendocino County Office of Education. Robert Abayo, who's the new director of Men- of MNO for Mendocino County Office of Education, and Bob Hofer, who's the maintenance assistant in shipping and receiving for Mendocino County Office of Education. So a new question. Tell me a little bit about how school safety is different from safety at other organizations. And let's let's start this one with Barry. So I don't I don't necessarily think the 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 safety aspect of it has changed. I think I think people are more aware now. Uh, the custodial staff are paying more attention to detail as far as uh, you, you know things that that would get overlooked in the past. Of course, we don't have students on site, so they're able to really you know get some stuff done that hasn't been able to get done in the past and and identify things that uh, that that they could start doing in the future. Um, I don't know that that it's that it's changed dramatically. However, I, I do think that um, you know, like I said, that the more attention to detail uh, is has been clearly evident at, at all our school sites. Okay, Gabe, would you tell us a little bit about what considerations relating to school safety make schools more complex or challenging to deal with than maybe other organizations? Um, there, there's a few I can think of, you know, one of them is just, um, the, the amount of bodies that we put into schools. Um, you know, when you kind of context, contextualize it, the, the population, of the city of Ukiah is, I think about 16,000 people, Ukiah Unified School District, our student population is over 6,000. When you add in staff, that gets us at about 7,000 people. So, you know, almost half of the city's population, um, you know, granted, we are our borders. The the district boundaries go outside of the city, but almost half of the inside population of the city is in our schools under norm, normal operations. And that's a lot of bodies to cram into some small spaces. You know, a typical student classroom um, in Ukiah Unified can range on the lower grades from 20, 20 to twenty four students, and the upper grades can be in the the mid thirties. Um, and you know, really, when you talk about social distancing and particularly shared airspace, that has a lot of ramifications. If you compare that to maybe a grocery store where you have a lot of people in it, there's a lot more uh, space. So, um, you know, but that said, we have, you know, perhaps a little bit more control over it because it's not public coming in and out. Um, but the control is with, with students. And, you know, honestly, they, uh, I think students can be um, listen a lot more than, than our general population. So I think that that's a bonus, but you really need to come up with a, a good narrative and a good plan and a good way to channel them. Yeah. Um, another one is just our access and egress to our school sites. And that's, a, that's one of the biggest challenges we've had. Once we have our students on campus, we, we think that they're gonna be fairly easy to manage and keep that social distancing. Um, but all of our campuses, the majority of them were built in the 40s and 50s. And I think most of the schools in, the, in, um, in Mendocino County are in the same boat. And you know, what that means is there's very usually access to the sites are 
are limited. You know, they were built back when the student population was much less than there is right now and when there weren't a lot of vehicles on the road. And so um, getting all those students with their families dropped off and into the campus, that's really the pinch point. That's when we're gonna have problems keeping people distant. Um, even, you know, we're envisioning our, it's most likely that our first steps with students back on is gonna be in a hybrid. And I think all of the districts are really thinking the same. So roughly half the students on campus. And even at that point, it's gonna be really taking the community to be mindful that we need to be, um, we need to be methodical about how we're dropping off, getting the kids onto the campus and then and, and pick up. And, you know, the other issue is the logistics of, of our students that don't have um, easy access to school. So they're not within walk, safe walking distance and don't have um, families that have vehicular transportation. So these are students that really depend on our, our busing. Um, you know, Mendocino County is a, has a rural landscape and um, busing is a huge issue in the age of COVID you know the, the guidances that have finally come out from the state really basically give us um you know one student per seat on a bus so our normal lift capacity on a school bus is anywhere from 60 to 70 students and now we're going to be down to 14 students 14, 14 that's what you said 14 correct wow um so you know and, the, and these are our most vulnerable population right these are the kids that don't have another way to get to school um, these are typically the ones that are on that, the, the outliers um, may not have the best connectivity. You know, we've really pushed um, in, with the help of the state and MCOE to get hotspots out there. But again, the connectivity is not great there. So getting them to school is going to be doubly important. Um, you know, we've also utilized um, tech hubs. We're bringing those students in and having them on site. Um, but even that's been problematic because a lot of times they're, they're struggling to get in to, to be able to have access to the sites. So. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. Um, and we've been planning consistently since, um, you know, March, March and April, and I think we're probably on our seventh or eighth um, operational plan iteration. And it's really, it's changed as the, the knowledge about the virus has changed as the communications from the the health organizations have changed, the best practices, and I, I expect that it's going to change again before we have students back on campus. Well, that brings me to my next question. Um, Barry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you respond to this one, if you don't mind. Um, how did the evolving nature of information affect your attempts to safeguard students and staff? I, I like to put it this way, we're, we're building the airplane as we're flying it. As soon as we think we have a plan, something changes. So um, we've had to be forward thinking, you know, there's so many what ifs, what if this, what if that, and, and, and try to stay ahead of it. But the information, as Gabe said, is, is, is changing so fast. Um, and, and we're on our sixth or seventh uh, reopening plan right now as well. Um, and, and it's going to change again. Uh, we're getting vaccines tomorrow. Is that going to change the operational plan, the, the reopening plan? Probably. So we're kind of looking at, looking at that, but, um, yeah, just the way, the way things are changing, um, we could have a, a plan set in place, ready to deploy tomorrow. Things are going to change five times before tomorrow. So it's challenging. 
What about from the county perspective? Either Bob, Steve, or Robert, do either one of you have a thought about the evolving nature of information and how it affected our attempts to work with districts or to safeguard students and staff here at MCOE? Well, it's a constant challenge, as, as you've heard from Barry and Gabe. It's, uh, it's frustrating. It's maddening to spend all that time and then have to go back and start over again or revise what you wrote or rethink whether or not it'll work. Um, Any other thoughts, Bob? <laughs> well, the uh, goalposts were always changing. And it was very frustrating, as Steve said, because we here in the MNO would have a game plan and contact vendors and have things set up and then come into work the next day and the whole scenario changed. So I had nightmares about this whole thing. Anyway. So then the pandemic really did make routine tasks such as acquiring supplies much more difficult. Oh, yeah. You're always in competition with somebody else across the world. Yeah. It wasn't just a country. It was the whole world was looking for everything. And what I'm hearing folks for. say is nitrate gloves is what we're needing now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just found out yesterday we're getting more state supplied stuff. And that was my question to Robert. Are they going to send us any gloves? Because they have yet to do so. Yeah. And fortunately, we bought a large, large stock. So how has Mendocino's, Mendocino County's geography affected your planning efforts? Let's talk a little bit maybe to Steve and, and Bob on the geography and how that affected um, the county office's ability to support districts through the pandemic and acquiring supplies. Well, the acquisition um, was one problem, but then distribution, as you know, it's it's two hour drive from Ukiah to Point Arena. It's an hour and a half drive to Round Valley. So because we were, um, we were, we were stacking materials up inside people's offices. We were stacking them up everywhere we could think of because as you, as Bob pointed out, we had 90 tons of materials come through and we probably had a two thirds of that at, at the high point. So, it started becoming urgent to us just to get things out of the way. And so we actually did deliveries all over the county of some of the materials, not only to get them out of our own way, but as Bob pointed out, one day it was 145 degrees in that shipping container. Well, you can't put alcohol-based hand sanitizer inside a container like that unless you want to see it land in the next county. <laughs> oh, that is very true. What about over in Fort Bragg, Barry? Did you find things uh, to be more difficult because of the rural nature or the isolation that the coast often experiences? Did you have difficulty getting things delivered to you or? You know, oddly enough, uh, even though Fort Bragg, I consider us on an island, um, we have uh, pretty reliable uh, delivery companies. So um, we haven't had any issues as far as that goes. Uh, finding the, the, the materials 
you know, to procure it, that's been a challenge. You know, as Gabe said, with the nitro gloves, I'm not buying anything but vinyl gloves now. Um, the nitro gloves that we can find are astronomically expensive. Um, it doesn't make any sense to spend that kind of money on something that you're going to throw away. So because we don't have students, we do have some students in our uh, in tech rooms. However, the custodians are, they're happy using the vinyl gloves. Um, but as far as getting things to Fort Bragg, we haven't had any, any major issues. Nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, again, you are listening to KZYX and Z, um, 90.7 FM, 91.5 FM, and 88.1 FM for Fort Bragg on the coast. Um, this is Michelle Hutchins. I'm the County Superintendent of Schools, and I am interviewing five maintenance and operations directors around the county on how schools are going to look different when we return to in-person instruction. So, Barry, tell me a little bit about, again, how schools in Fort Bragg will look different when students return. I'm seeking things like, will there be directional hallways? Will school secretaries work behind plexiglass? What types of physical things are going to really be different in the schools when we return in-person instruction? Well, that's exactly how it's going to be. We have already have... Uh, uh, unidirectional markings um, at all the sites. We have uh, uh, occupancy placards on every classroom. Uh, offices have plexiglass shields for the office staff. Um, and, and a lot of the classrooms do as well. So it, it's going to look different. It's going to look different in that way. It's going to look different in the fact that we will most likely be uh, in a hybrid model where there'll be 10 students per class, um, you know, uh, more where, where we can accommodate more. However, it, it is going to be different, but we're anxiously awaiting that to happen. Um, we have to start somewhere and getting kids back in a classroom is, is very important. I know it is to, to myself. I know it is to my staff. They're kind of losing sight of, of why they're here. You know, we're here for kids. And, and that contact is important for everybody who works in, in education, I think. Um, so yeah, it's definitely gonna look different, but it sure will be nice to see kids. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, the smiles, the big smiles on their faces, they are the magic of a school for sure. Gabe, tell us a little bit about Ukiah Unified. How's Ukiah Unified gonna look different physically when we come back into in-person instruction? Uh, you know, very similar to what's been described. I, I think um, there's going to be a lot of small changes, you know, plexiglass, um, less students in the rooms. I think, you know, one of the, the big ones that's not necessarily the, the part of the, the, the plant, but it's going to be the look of the school when you walk in. Um, you know, we're used to having our schools be covered in kids, right? And they are, and they're, I agree with Barry, they are very empty buildings right now. You know, we have Ukiah Unified has over 750,000 square feet of educational buildings and um, they're very sad and empty without the kids there. But when we do have kids back, they won't be empty, thankfully, but every class is going to be its own island. And that's going to be a, that's going to be a huge shift from the way we normally run our schools. Um, you know, we'll still have recess, things like that will still happen, but those classes are going to be isolated. They're going to, you know, the, the, 
The drive is going to be to get them into school, into the class without coming in contact with others and, and be, be isolated to their class. Um, so that's going to be, that's a huge paradigm shift right there. Um, you know, another one is our schools are our community centers. Um, you know, we always strive to have full access to our parents. Um, and while we'll still have that, you know, we, we do expect that, you know, that our offices will be closed. Um, you know, we'll, we will, we'll not be having unless under, unless it's a, a special circumstances, they're not going to be, you know, people can't just walk in. Um, you know, another one is uh, parent volunteers. I mean, you know, we always try to get parents to engage in the classes. You know, I, I have a TKer and a second grader and, you know, being able to go in and read stories of the classes, stuff like that would be, would be outstanding. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be our model in the beginning, you know, until we get, get a little bit farther out of this. Um, so yeah, that's, that is, I think that just that, looking at it from that perspective, I think that's going to be, be one of the largest changes. Other than that, it's, you know, again, it's just operational stuff. So keeping a flow of, of travel, making sure students don't um, intermingle bathrooms is another one that is really going to be um, something we're going to have to manage. And how do you think that'll be managed? Um, well, you know, there, there's twofold to it. One of them is enhanced sanitation. So normally, you know, the bathrooms are maintained throughout the day from our, with our um, site custodians. But once we have students on site, in fact, it's actually done right now, there's actually going to be routine schedules to not just go in and, and make sure the bathrooms are stocked and they haven't been um, overly abused, but they you know, all of the touch points are going to have to be wiped down. And really it's, you know, the, the ideal is going to be kind of between passing periods um, many times a day. And that's really the, the touch points of the knobs, the faucets, you know, we did go through and all of our bathroom fixtures, all of the, the sinks have been replaced with touchless, um, but there's still quite a few points that people touch routinely when they use the bathroom. So those mm -hmm. are gonna have to be sanitized. But the other one is really that the, the bathrooms have a, are gonna have a max occupancy now and they're post, they'll be posted on all the doors. Um, you know, it, it, we don't have a staff member that we don't, you know, we're not able to have a staff member monitoring every, every bathroom on every campus. Um, so a lot of it is going to be education. I mean, that's what we do. We, you know, it's what schools are for and we're going to, and it will take um, some buy-in from the students, but you know, I, I don't think we have many concerns about that. I think that, um, you know, in, in other drives we've done like recycling drives, it's always the students that are easier to educate and get on board. It's us old timers. It's, the people who've been around for a while that it's hard to change our ways but but kids are flexible right um and they understand and uh, you know i know my kids are eager to get back and we've I've talked about this with them many times and you know, we talked about hand washing and best practices and hopefully you know everyone in our community is doing that and i think when when we um when we do get back i think those kind of things will be an easier shift the again you know just to reiterate I think our bigger concerns are really when we're trying to get everyone together that, that pick up and drop off period. Um, and so really, I, I would, I would um, really ask and encourage our entire community when communications come out from all the schools, when we get closer to getting back and detailing our operational plans, please take a moment, review it, um, look at what the schools are asking for, look at what the schools or plans are, because it is going to take, you know, our entire community, all of us to pull together to follow our protocols and procedures to make sure we have a safe back to school and get those kids back where they belong. You talked a little bit about um, how each classroom is going to be an island 
and how you're not really going to be able to, as a student, really interact with students from other classrooms. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important? Sure. So, you know, one of the one of the mandates and best practices from CDC down to California Public Health, Health and then our county public health officer is is, you know, really underscores the safe way to get kids back is to, to use a pod format or a cohort format. So um, as much as possible, we're going to mitigate the close contact in that group. So if you have 10 or 14 students in a classroom, they're still going to be masked. They're still going to have be practicing social distancing. Um, but, but if there is an outbreak or if someone is sick, it, it contains it to that group. It's the, you know, it goes back to the ping pong ball theorem. If you have one ping pong ball in a small group that may hit a couple of those balls, but that they're not gonna, they won't spread out and domino and hit everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, that's has been underscored many times and it's really, you know, the, again, it's the, it's the heart of where what we need to be practicing right now. Um, and, you know, I will say, I think most of our districts have already be, been doing that for a while. I mean, most of us have extracurricular pods or we have tech hubs. Um, so we have been using the, these models and it does, you know, we, it, it's, it's viable. Uh, the city of Ukiah have been running programs, um, you know, out of our school sites for four months and they've been following the same format. Um, it's the, you know, it's the, the health officer format, which is 14 plus two. So it's, you know, right now it's maximum of 14 students and two uh, educational staff or coaches or whatever. Um, it's not ideal. We'd like to have many more people and we'd like to be able to move back and forth, but, um, but it is the safeguard we have and it does get those kids out. It gets them interacting um, and it gets them the extra support they need. Yeah. So Barry, let's talk a little bit about Fort Bragg Unified. So out in Fort Bragg, will that be similar? Will students have to stay in one classroom pod or cohort, or will students be able to mix up? No, we're going to follow the same model, uh, only because that's the guidance that, that, that we've been given. Um, it, it, it makes the most sense, and, and we're willing to do anything to get students back in school uh, safely. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be any different. And as as Gabe touched on the, the dropping off and picking up, it, it logistically is gonna be challenging. Uh, we, we are gonna bus students, but a lot of parents like to drop their kids off as well. So um, we're trying to figure out how to stagger times with uh, you know school bus drop off and parent drop off so that there's not a big rush of, of students entering the building at the same time. So. It's going to be challenging, but it's not going to be impossible. So what are you asking of your community? Gabe had some specific requests from his community. What are, you, are you making any requests of the Fort Bragg community as you try to reopen? When we get closer to actually reopening, we will. We, we, uh, our superintendent does an amazing job of communicating with the community and, and disseminating information. Um, she fields phone calls all day long from, from community members. So, you know, it's, it's gonna be a, a collaborative decision that's gonna be made by all the stakeholders, which is staff, students, and, and families. Um, because, you know, most people want students back in class and they want it done safely. So I, I think we all have to, uh, you know, be a part of the decision-making when it comes to, to building a plan for that to happen. 
So let's turn a little bit to MCOE. MCOE does run some student programs. We have schools as well. How will our schools look a little different? Steve, Robert? Morning, Michelle. Um, considering what the guidelines are and are what we have in place currently uh, from the governor and uh, Department of Health and uh, California schools, we're, we're relying on the same set of guidelines that are being implemented in areas where they still or are currently having students uh, in class or in classroom. Uh, I know that uh, we've talked about using plexiglass uh, barriers uh, for interactions like with office or uh, clerical staff, um, and generally smaller class sizes. But uh, generally, you know, rolling along and learning as I can and picking up as much as information as I can uh, with what M NCOE has already implemented. I think uh, Steve Turner would probably offer a little more insight to uh, what was going on uh, as things were developing. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you, Robert. Yeah. To add to what Robert said, um, the plexiglass shields for MCOE staff, many of our staff are itinerant, which means they'll be visiting various classrooms, various school sites through the week. And uh, they often do one-on-one -on -one coaching or counseling or therapies with students. And so we actually procured portable plexiglass stands and put handles on them so that the staff could take them from site to site uh, in case there wasn't an appropriately um, adapted space for them to meet with the student they could go into a room an empty room and put this plexiglass shield between them and the student and and improve the safety factor that way we also have speech therapists and preschool teachers that need to have their lips visible to the students while they're working with the students. You can imagine, uh, or, or the uh, deaf and hard of hearing translator, it's really important for the person to be able to, to see their lips and how they move and how they form their words, uh, especially for the younger students. So we found some face masks that actually had uh, drapes underneath that would could be tucked into the shirt so that the, the student and the teacher were both protected while they had that visual connection of, of their lips moving. So that, I know that Fort Bragg and Ukiah are doing the same thing, but that that's really uh, one of the focuses of MCOE because of the, the type of instruction that we supplement at districts rather than uh, doing the direct instruction of the general population that the districts do. Thank you. Thank you for that detail. I appreciate it. All right. Gabriel, or Gabe, Ukiah Unified, Director of Maintenance and Operation and Transportation, please tell me what you are most looking forward to when this is all over. You know, I think all of us can attest that these jobs can be um, stressful at times. And it's, you know, Barry said something earlier about losing sight of, of why we're here. And, you know, one of my relief valves is driving to one of our elementary sites and just hanging out, you know, taking a bite to eat and watching the kids on the playground. And that's what I want, that's what I want to see. I want to see our kids back. Um, other than that, you know, I'd like to have my house empty because my kids are there right now and it's 
I don't have any time to myself and I, uh, I look forward to taking a vacation at some point. It's been a while, but yeah, number one, kids back in the sites. You know, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Gabe, for your time today. I really appreciate that you um, took the time that you did with us. Um, again, that was Gabe Sherman, Director of Maintenance and Operations and Transportation at UK Unified School District. So Barry, I'm going to pick on you a little more. Barry Silva, who is our um, Director of Maintenance and Transportation for Fort Bragg Unified School District, tell me what you are most looking forward to when this is all over. I'm looking most forward to, to smiley faces, kids in classes, Friday night lights, softball games, you know, after school. Uh, uh, these kids are missing out on so many different things as far as not just school, but athletics and socialism and, you know, just being kids. Uh, I have an 11 year old daughter um, who is looking so forward to middle school this year and playing basketball and having six different teachers and, you know, having her own locker and, and she's craving that. And uh, so normal's going to be good. It really is. But I think, I think our normal is, is, is going to be, we're going to be more aware of things now. Um, this has been a challenge for, for everybody. However, I think it's been a learning opportunity as well um, for a lot of people. In good ways and in bad ways, but uh, just kids on campus, kids on campus and um, on school buses. It's one of my favorite things as a director of transportation. I love seeing the big yellow things driving through town. You know, uh, it, it just, I don't know, it makes me happy. So. Nice. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. And again, that was Barry Silva the Director of Maintenance and Transportation for Fort Bragg Unified School District. So Robert Aveo is our newly hired um, Director of Maintenance and Operations for Mendocino County Office of Education. Robert, what are you most looking forward to when this is all over? I would, I'm not going to create anything new, I guess, in saying that uh, the opportunity for us to return to somewhat normal routine uh, would be great. I have two little ones that are also in local schools and I know it's a split circus for us because one of my children would love to just stay home if he could. And uh, once he gets his work done, he's, he's on to the Fortnite crew. Uh, but generally speaking, it's put a lot of pressure on, on the parents in this, in this situation to, uh, figure out how we shuffle people along is uh, one of my children, uh, my eldest daughter, she's uh, currently uh, in a hybrid situation with one of the private schools and they're on site three days a week. And the rest of her uh, learning is happening through Zoom, which they both my son and daughter share in common, but they're always bickering over who gets the computer. But uh, in the long run, I think uh, what we're seeing implemented locally is probably one of the better approaches. Uh, we came in from the Reading area where, you know, there was a lot of resistance to uh, full shutdown and uh, distance learning. And I got to see firsthand how that created a lot of confusion, especially when we started seeing COVID cases within the kid, uh, the, the younger people group. Uh, 
we had infections with the younger folks and then immediately they start shutting down classes and schools and waiting weeks to get back in and ultimately i think that that created more problems for them and we'll we'll see what the ramifications for, of that would be over the long term but yeah i guess in general learning more about how this is going to affect you know our our general sense of well-being as i think this has been kind of a gloomy a gloomy year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons and uh, education being one of them and then how it affects the family dynamic at home but I, I see i see light around the corner we all do a little bit i think especially now that we've educators vaccinated um there is light Bob Hofer. Bob Hofer is the assistant, uh, maintenance assistant, and oversees all shipping and receiving for Mend Mendocino County Office of Education. Bob, what are you most looking forward to when this is all over? Going fishing on a charter boat. Going fishing on a charter boat. Without a mask. Without a mask. Nice. <laughs> and being able to see my grandkids play baseball and my daughter being able to go back to work because between distance learning and work at home, she ended up quitting her job so she could take care of the schooling. And, you know, just back to grandkids' ball games. Yep. School functions. School functions. Good old-fashioned ball games. I miss them, too. And fishing. And fishing. Nice. I'm taking my grandkids fishing. Excellent. All right, well, thank you, Bob. So Steve Turner, who's the retired um, Senior Director of Maintenance and Operations for Mendocino Co County Office of Ed. Steve, what are you most looking forward to when this is all over? You're on mute, Steve. Everyone uh, has mentioned things that I share as well, though I'm not much of a fisherman, but uh... I think it'll be really good for the community to be able to get together again and focus on providing the best education that the students can get and not be totally concerned about whether they're going to be ill or not by doing that, but to, to be able to relax and interact with the students and help them help foster their curiosity and their love of learning so that so the whole community can heal and, and move forward. Thank you. So Barry, I'm gonna turn another question over to you in Fort Bragg. If you were to give advice to the parents of students of Fort Bragg, what type of advice would you give to parents today as they prepare their student to return to in-person instruction? I don't know. That's kind of a tough question. I, I, I suppose uh, teach kids to be diligent about their, uh, you know, their, their personal hygiene um, so that we can get kids back in class safely. Uh, I, I know that, you know, having an 11 year old daughter, um, she doesn't leave the house without a mask. Every time we go to the grocery store, we get back in the truck, daddy, hand sanitizer, please, before she takes her mask off. She doesn't want to get sick and she doesn't want to get anybody else sick. Um, so I think as far as offering advice to parents is repetition is key. Teach your kids 
you know, to follow these guidelines. It's going to be, it's going to give us a better opportunity to get back in school because it's not going to be one person's job to make sure that, that, that all these guidelines are, are met. It's going to be everybody's job. And, and the good thing is, is, you know, kids are smart. And if they want to be in class, they're going to do the right thing. They'll help educate their, their classmates, you know, the, the same. So um, that's really what I would advise. Okay. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you. And again, that was Barry Silva, the Fort Bragg Unified Director of Maintenance and Transportation. All right. Robert, Steve, or Bob, do you have any advice you'd like to give to parents about how they might prepare their students to return to in-person instruction? Go ahead, Robert. Again, this is Robert Abayo, who's the Director of Maintenance and Operations for Mendocino County Office of Education. Um, just in general, I would think that uh, if, if there are folks or parents out there that are curious about what the current uh, protocol are related to uh, going back into the schools, they can access uh, the uh, California government's uh, website for uh, the Department of Education and the California Department of Public Health our local county, uh, County of Mendocino's public health website and public schools. Um, there's information out there if you're interested or curious to know what it might look like when we get back into schools. And, and if, you, if you have questions, don't be, don't be afraid to, to load, uh, reach out and contact somebody, either MCOE, uh, our staff at MNO, uh, the Department of Public Health, uh, even your local hospital or doctor would uh, be able to offer some guidance in, in terms of knowing what protocol to use uh, just to keep everybody healthy and safe. Great. Okay. Anything else, Steve or Bob, that you'd want to add? Well, I'll, I'll uh, echo what Barry said about the little daughter, my seven-year-old granddaughter. She's amazing. She has to have that sanitizer and she's ready to go back to school. She'll be a good trainer for the other kiddos, I think. Nice. So she knows what to do and she'll help educate people, kids. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to sum up. Oh, go ahead, Steve. You have something else you want to add? I think just uh, everyone will need a lot of patience because it will be a big adjustment to go back to school. Everyone wants to do it and just recognize that we're all working together on this and uh, there'll be some rough spots, but um, we can solve the problem. We sure can. Patience, working together, we can solve the problem. Thank you, Steve. Those are very wise words. And I think that's going to conclude our interview today. And I very much appreciate the time that all of you have taken with, um, with us, with Mendocino County Office of Education. We had, again, we had Gabe Sherman, Director of Maintenance and Oper Operations and Transportation from Ukiah Unified. We had Barry Silva from Fort Bragg Unified, the Director of Maintenance and Transportation. We had Steve Turner, Retired Senior Director, Director of MNO. 
Bob Hofer, our maintenance assistant of shipping and receiving, and then Robert Abayo, our director of maintenance and operations at MCOE. And I am Michelle Hutchins, the county superintendent of schools. I thank my guests today for everything you've provided to the listeners on KZYX and Z. Thank you. This is Inside Education. My name is Michelle Hutchins, your county superintendent of schools. And again, I wanted to bring this show to you to bring you inside the walls of our schools to really learn what education is about in Mendocino County. This specific show was put together so that parents, students, and the community could really hear what staff at, in schools are doing to prepare to bring students back to in-person education. Schools have purchased literally 45 tons of equipment. Things like outdoor hand washing stations, masks for students and staff, help HEPA filtration systems to be able to filter the air um, are all being installed and purchased or have already been installed and purchased and are awaiting for your students to return to in-person instruction. Mendocino County Office of Education is working to coordinate surveillance testing and we aim to build the capacity to be able to test students and staff as often as weekly. Inside Education will air the fourth Thursday of the month at three o'clock in rotation with Corporations and Democracy and Putting Down Roots. If you're interested in hearing an archive of the show, go to our jukebox page at kzyx.org or subscribe to the podcast at KZYX Public Affairs, available wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank Sersha Byrne, a board member at Anderson Valley Unified School District, for really bringing the idea of putting this show together into my head. I also want to thank Alicia Bales for training me on how to do this and my guests today for bearing with me as I learned the equipment at the Mendocino County Office of Education studio. Up next is Democracy Now! I thank you for listening. Try, try, try your hands, everybody. Try, try, try your hands.